give God a big hand of applause. He is, uh, he's, he's a good God, and he is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. And today we're here to give him thanks and to give him our praise. Uh, this week, our entire nation is going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, the irony that I find in that is that really very little thanks to God is going to be done this Thursday. Uh, we get so busy, don't we? in preparing and cooking and entertaining and watching football and eating that really about the only real thanks that gets done on Thanksgiving is a single prayer that is given right before the meal and it's only given by one person. And honestly, we, we miss the whole point of the holiday which is to give thanks to God for all that he has done in our lives. So this morning I want to share with you how we can make this Thanksgiving a different Thanksgiving. And it all starts with realizing that everything that we are and all that we have comes from God. I mean, really, our very lives are gifts given to us by the Lord. And everything we have is from the Lord. Without God, you wouldn't even be here today. Without God, you wouldn't have all the stuff that you have. I'm reminded of that in a story found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. In this chapter, King David is preparing to build the temple of the Lord. Uh, he wanted to build this temple so bad, a house of praise to God. But God refused to allow King David to actually build the temple because he had been a man of war and uh, there was blood on his hands. And, and so he was not allowed to actually build the temple. God said that your son will build it. His name was Solomon. But you know what? That did not stop King David from preparing to build the Lord's temple. And in chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles, David gives this huge gift for the building of the temple. He gave, he gave gold and silver, uh, precious stones from his own personal treasury. It was a huge gift that King David gave. And it was so impressive that the leaders of Israel did the same thing. They gave their gifts all the way down to a common peasant. Everyone gave so that the Lord's house could be built. It was a huge offering given that day for the building of God's temple. And at the end of the chapter, King David is giving praise to God. He's saying, Lord, uh, we're going to build this building for your glory and your honor. And, and the gifts that we have just given to you, you gave to us, and all we're really doing is giving them back. Here's what he said in 1 Chronicles 29, verse number 16. Everything has come from you. I mean, we gave it. We just gave it from our pockets, but really, it came from you. Everything has come from you, and everything belongs to you. And guys, that's where it begins a proper perspective of who we are and what we have. Everything we have, even our own lives, really comes from God. So what do we have to be thankful for? Absolutely everything. Everything. So you know what? I, I couldn't preach on that this morning because if I, if I gave you a list of everything I am thankful for, we would be here until Thursday. Literally, I have that many things to be thankful for, don't you? And so uh, I, I've, done, I've done what they did in the, uh, the musical, The Sound of Music, which came out in 1965. Remember that? Julie Andrews, man, she had some pipes, didn't she? What, one of the songs that she sang was, 
these are a few of my favorite things, all right? And she lists this bizarre list of favorite things that she had. Well, my list is not bizarre. <laughs> it's a good list of all the things God has given to me, but I've narrowed it down to the top three. And these are a few of my favorite things that God has done for me, and, and maybe you can relate. For example, I am so thankful this morning for the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, my life is changed forever. From the cross, mercy came running. And God demonstrated his grace, his love, and his forgiveness on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he died for my sins. His blood was shed for me. And because I believe that Jesus died for me, my life has been changed forever. I'm so thankful for God's grace that was on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm thankful for the cross and for the grace of God. What is grace? Grace is everything that God does for you, even though you don't deserve it. Grace is God giving you what you need, not what you deserve. Amen? The Bible says that everything you have comes by grace. Everything God does in you and through you and for you and to you and by you is by his grace. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. Why? Because it's a gift. It's the grace of God. In Psalm 103, there's a laundry list of just some of the things God does in our lives through his grace. Let me read it to you. The psalmist said, I will not forget the glorious things God does for me. He forgives all my sins. Now, while I'm reading this, if, if you feel the impulse to say amen, you can, all right? He forgives all of my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. Wow, amen for that. He surrounds me with love. He fills my life with good things. He is merciful and tender to those who don't deserve it. Are you one of those who don't deserve it? Man, I sure am. He is slow to get angry. Praise God for that. He never bears a grudge. He has not punished us as we deserve for our sins. Let me tell you, friends, that's the grace of God. And this morning, I am so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ because on the cross, God demonstrated his grace, his mercy, and his love. Isn't that something to be thankful for? Amen. Number two, I am thankful this morning to God for the calling that he has on my life. And not just on my life, I'm thankful for the calling that God has on your life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 reminds us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God himself prepared beforehand. Before we were even born, God prepared us to do the work of the ministry that he has called us to so that we should walk in them. Let me tell you something. It's just not preachers and missionaries that God calls. God has a calling for you. God has a calling on your life. And can I remind you this morning that life is not an accident. 
that you were made for a reason. God has a plan for your life, and you are here for a purpose. Your parents may not have planned you, but I'm here to tell you God did. No baby is ever born by accident. There may be illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate babies. Amen? If you are alive, and if you are breathing, and if your heart and pulse are beating, that means that God has a purpose for you to be here. God has a plan for your life. And let me tell you, God's plan is a good plan. Hmm? Jeremiah 29, 11 reminds us, I have good plans for you, not plans that hurt you. I will give you hope, and I will give you a good what? A good future. Now, is that something you can be thankful for? <laughs> I'm here to tell you, amen. God's plan is so good and so great, listen to this, that he can even take your mistakes, your faults, your failures, and even the things that other people do to us to hurt us. And God can take all of this stuff and weave it together and bring good out of it. That's how good his plan is. Now, let me give you the truth about God's plan because everything I've been saying so far is just, man, it makes you feel good. I, I want to be right in the middle of God's plan for my life. Amen, preacher. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Flip side of all of this is this. God's plan for your life is not always going to be happy. It's not always going to be comfortable. God is going to call you sometimes to do things that you don't think you can do or maybe that you don't want to do. And yes, God's plan for your life sometimes can cause pain in your own life and maybe even some disappointments. And let me tell you this, God's plan will always call for discipline in your life because God is a God of discipline. And if you were never disciplined, you would not have any character to you. And sometimes God's plan is going to be along the lines of you pray and you don't get what you pray for. You get something totally unexpected, yet he does it all for good. Why? Because he knows the future. He knows why he has made you. So God has shown me grace, and God has given me a plan, a plan that the more I discover it, the more I get into the center of it, the more my life unfolds and the true potential of who God made me to be comes out. God says, I have a plan for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God would use somebody like me. And, and I just want to pause right here, and I'm just going to do a little scan through. I'm gonna, I want to try to look at everybody here, okay? Hey, will you hang with me? I'm going to look at everybody. I'm getting my eyes on everybody right here. Balcony people, it's hard, but I can see you up there. Okay, God's got a plan for you. And the greatest joy that you can find in life is by finding, following, and finishing God's good plan for your life. It's the calling that he's placed upon you. And I'll tell you what, when you get in the center of God's will, all of a sudden life makes sense. And you understand that you are here for a purpose and that God has something for you to do, and there's joy in doing what God has called you to do. So number one this morning, I'm thankful for the cross, aren't you? 
God demonstrated his grace, love, and forgiveness. And number two, I'm thankful for the calling that God has on our lives. Amen? And number three, I'm thankful for the citizenship that I have in heaven. Huh? I'm thankful for my citizenship in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, here's what the Bible says. We know that our body will be destroyed, but when that happens, God will have a house for us. It will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that is going to last how long? Forever. Let me tell you something, friend. You were made for eternity. One day, your body, this, this body that we live in is going to die. But that's not going to be the end of you. The Bible says that God created you in his image. Therefore, you have a living soul inside of you. And you're going to spend eternity in one of two places. What are they? Heaven or hell. Depending on what you've done with Jesus Christ. Okay? If you accept God's gift to you, Jesus Christ, if you accept the grace he extended on the cross, then you get to go to heaven. If not, you go to hell. And can I remind you that heaven and hell are real places? They are not a figment of someone's imagination. They're not some symbolism. Heaven and hell are real places. And you're going to spend eternity, that is forever and ever and ever, in either heaven or hell. But you know what? As a Christian, you don't have to worry about the future. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you don't have to worry about the future. Christians of all people are the most confident about death. Why? Because we know where we're going. Huh? You've heard this before. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Right? So let me ask you, are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet your maker? Again, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Now, here's, here's something that is bizarre to me. Only a fool would go throughout his entire life knowing that there is something inevitable waiting for them and not do anything about it. I mean, we all know that death is inevitable. We all know that we're going to die. I googled it last night before I went to bed. The latest statistic tells us that in America, the mortality rate is still 100%. Everybody in this room is terminal. Every human being is terminal. It's just a matter of time. But you know what? You don't have to be afraid of that. We can actually be thankful to God because he has shown us his grace on Calvary's cross. And while we're on earth, God has a good plan for our lives. And when we leave this earth, if we have trusted God's salvation on the cross, if we have walked in his plan, you know what? He's going to take us to heaven. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for heaven. Now, let me ask you the question. Does everybody go to heaven? Because that's what the world would have you to believe. Everybody goes to heaven. The answer to that, though, is absolutely not. If God allowed sinners into heaven, it wouldn't be heaven. It would be hell. So heaven is only for his children. How do you become his child? Well, by asking in faith to become a part of his family. By believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you are grafted in or adopted into the family of God. 
and your citizenship is now in heaven. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says, For our citizenship is in heaven. You're saved by simply accepting God's gracious gift of grace. And once you have accepted that gift of salvation, you put your hand into the hand of the man who has the power to take you to heaven. Wow, that's good, man. I'm thankful this morning. I'm thankful for the cross. Because on the cross, God demonstrated his grace, love, and forgiveness. I'm thankful for the calling that God has on each one of our lives, that we have the privilege of serving him. And I am thankful this morning for my citizenship that is in heaven. When I die, I know where I'm going. Now, do you realize why I picked these three, these big three? Because they deal with my past, my present, and my future. And I'm thankful that I'm in God's hand. Amen? You're thinking, wow, that was a short message, preacher. I'm only halfway through. Now, having told you the things I'm thankful for, let me end this message by sharing with you four biblical ways that we can say thanks to God, right? Because that's what Thanksgiving is all about, thanking God. So let's go biblical this morning. What are four ways the Bible says that we can practically say thanks to God? And the first one is by singing, singing, singing. What does the Bible say? Psalm 147, 7. Sing to the Lord with what? With thanksgiving. The Bible says to sing our thanksgiving to God. You might say, well, preacher, I can't sing. You know what? That doesn't matter. You don't have to be able to sing. Why? The Bible says make a joyful noise. Are you with me? Even pigs do that when they eat. Some of you couldn't carry a tune in the bucket, but you know what? It doesn't matter. You can still sing your thanksgiving to the Lord. I can't sing worth a lick, man. Somebody once told me, he said, Preacher, you're a prison singer. I said, a prison singer? What's that? They said, you're always behind a few bars and never can seem to find the right key. <laughs> Ka-ching. That's a, that's a pretty good one. You know what? We, it doesn't matter. We just sing. We're, when can you sing? Where can you sing? You know, God is present everywhere. God is everywhere. At, the, at that Every moment, God is everywhere present. So, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, you can sing. You can sing in your house. You can sing in your car. You can sing at work. You can sing when you're in the shower. You can sing when you're playing golf or shooting guns or shopping. doesn't matter. When you're putting the kids to bed, you can sing. You sing your thanks to God. You say, well, I'm, I'm just... It's just not it's just not in me. Well, it better be in you, man. It's biblical. We sing our things to God. I've, I've kind of gotten over it in my life. You know, I'm, I'm an old man now, 58 years old. I really don't care what people think about me anymore. So I just, I make up songs and I sing them all the time. Songs of praise, don't I, Angie? I mean, I just, I just, but sometimes I just bust out in a song of praise to God. Came out of Panera Bread one morning, a couple weeks ago. It's a pretty frosty, cold morning. Angie was still inside getting, a, getting another cup of coffee for the road, and, and I, I walked out the door, and man, it was crisp outside, felt good, kind of scanned the parking lot, didn't see anybody, so I just started singing this song, Ed, I was making it up. I, could, I can't sing it to you right now because I was making it up, and I don't remember it. Lord, I love you, dear Jesus, I love you, I praise you, Lord, thank you for this day. I mean, it was something like that, wasn't it? That's, 
That's kind of the songs I make up. And I just kind of happened to turn around to see if Angie was coming out the door. And you know, how they have that seating area outside of Panera Bread. <laughs> when I walked out the door, I didn't see this guy. But I mean, he was just sitting right there, kind of blending in. And he was just looking at me. Kind of had this half grin on his face, you know. And I, I kind of gave him one of these man nods, you know, like, here you go, buddy. What do you think about that, man? I, I didn't say that to him, but you know what? I don't. He looked like he was enjoying it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe the brother needed it. I don't know. But but here's the thing. You know what? If there is if there is thanks in your heart, you need to sing it to the Lord. There have been more songs written about Jesus than any other thing or any other person on the planet of this earth. Why? Because he is the one who is worthy of our praise. Number two, I demonstrate my thanks not only by singing, but also by serving. We sing with our lips, but we serve with our lives. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with what? With gladness. So let me see your glad face, all right? Come on, show it to me, your glad face, yeah, your happy face. That, that's the way you ought to be looking when you're serving the Lord, yeah, with gladness. I love what the, the book of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Since we have a kingdom that nothing can destroy, let us please God by serving him with what kind of hearts? With thankful hearts. So when we serve God, it, it's not some chore. It's not a duty. It's not an obligation. Let me tell you, serving the Lord is a privilege. And the motive for serving God, the motive for using my gifts and talents and abilities is not necessarily in ministering to other people. And that's how we serve the Lord, by ministering to other people. But the motive for that is our gratitude to God. We serve other people and we serve the Lord because we love God. If God never did another single thing in your life, you know what? You still owe him everything. You might say, well, I worked really hard for what I have. I, I worked really hard for it. Well, let me ask you, where'd you get the talent to do what you're doing? God gave it to you. Where'd you get the energy to do that work? God gave it to you. Where'd you get your health? God, your mind, God, the opportunity you have, God, the freedom to work. God gave it to you. Remember 1 Chronicles 29? Everything comes from God. Every gift that we have is from God. So at Thanksgiving, don't just eat food and watch football. Give thanks to God for what he has done in your life. Sing praises to him and roll up your sleeves and go to work. Serve the Lord with gladness. Let me tell you, there are plenty of opportunities that we have right here at Kavanaugh Church for you to be serving and to ministering with gladness in your heart. Uh, we've got Adopt-A-Family coming up. Man, we, we need every single person in this church to sign up on one of the iPads after service and volunteer that night in serving the Lord with gladness. And when you come on December the 9th for Adopt a Family, you need to be wearing, you got to wear that glad face. Brother Johnny will call you down if you don't have your happy face on, all right? 
That, that's just one opportunity. Uh, at the end of the service, you're going to see the, the video for We Worship. We desperately need helpers in We Worship. Uh, people who, who will give an hour on Sunday morning, like once a quarter, just to minister to our kids. Wow, what a great way to serve God by investing in these precious little babies we have around here. And if you happen to get some that can talk, you know what? You can find out some interesting things about the families they belong to. Right? Just kind of a side benefit from that. You know what? We sing our thanks to God with our lips, but we serve the Lord with our lives. That's what we do. Number three, you ready for number three? Third way I can demonstrate my thanks to God is by what? Giving. By giving. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 50 verse 14. Give an offering to show thanks to God. Give an offering to show thanks to God. Give God most high what you have promised. Now, the Bible says that the level of my giving shows the level of my gratitude that I have in my heart. If I'm not giving, that means that I'm not very grateful. Obviously, thanks and giving go together, doesn't it? Say it. Thanksgiving. Again, thanksgiving. All together now? Thanksgiving. One of the ways we give thanks to God is through our giving. And let me suggest an annual habit for you to develop. Obviously, I think the best time to do this is right here at Thanksgiving when we're giving thanks to God. And here's what it is. I review, I renew, and I outdo my giving commitment. At Thanksgiving, I think it's a, a, the best time of the year to review my giving commitment, to go back and say, what does my giving say about me? Does, does my giving reflect the true gratitude that I have in my heart towards God to him? And then also at Thanksgiving, I suggest that you renew your giving commitment. I say something like this to the Lord. God, I just want to remind you that, that right now and next year, I again commit to be a tither. 10% of what you've given to me goes back to you. And I again commit to being more than that. I, I want to commit, dear Lord, to be a generous giver. And that's the third thing. I try to outdo what I've done the previous year because you can't outgive God. Now, where did I get this? Did I read this in a book? Do your heads like that. Did I make this up? I'll tell you where I got this. From two Kavanaugh church members who've gone on to, to be with the Lord in heaven. Some of the most faithful, precious members we ever had at Kavanaugh church. Don and Alice Yarbrough. Y'all remember them? Man, wh what great people. Don and Alice. If, if you didn't know Don and Alice, make sure you go to heaven so that you can get to know Don and Alice Yarbrough. They taught me this lesson. I, I was sitting in their living room one day, and they, they started talking to me about tithing. And I thought, this is, this is strange. Why are we talking about tithing? Well, I, I know now why they told me, so I could give it to you today, all right? They said, Pre preacher, here's what we We believe in tithing so much that, that every year we, we do these three things. We review what we've done before. We make a renewal to God that we're going to continue to tithe. And then every year we try to outdo what we've done the year before. And here's how it works. We look at what we gave last year, and we always want to up what we gave last year. And so we'll pray, Lord, what above the 10% that we owe you do you want us to give this year? 
And they said, God always gives us this incredible number. And, and humanly thinking, we say, we can't do that because we're not making that much money. But they said, by faith, we step out on it. And, and I'm just using this number. Maybe it's 15% of their income. Well, much more than, than what they're obligated to through the tithe. But whatever God tells them and they agree on in prayer, they step out in faith and do it. And, and you know what? They have done that for years, they said, and every year, here's the deal, every year at the end of that year when they go back, they look at their finances and they say, wow, that is the percentage of what we made this year. We didn't expect to make that much money, but there was a landfall here or something happened and, and God blessed us and that's what we did. We outdid it and God came through on the other end. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? Now, most of us live in that, that obligation of the 10%. But let me tell you something, friend. Once you jump out of that and realize, you know what? My God is a great God. He's a giving God. And I can never outgive God. And you start challenging God in your giving. That's when God really starts blessing. And they told me story after story of how God blessed them and gave them things. I told that story, this very story first service. And at the end of the service, I was walking out and this old gentleman grabbed me and he said, preacher, I, I'm going to tell you a story about Don and Alice. Years ago, they heard that our transmission went out on our car and we couldn't afford to replace it. And Don came to me and he gave me a check for $1,200. That's just Don Yarbrough. You know what? They understood the concept of giving thanks to God through giving because you can't outgive God. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 10 says this, Celebrate the harvest festival to honor the Lord your God by bringing him a what kind of offering? It's not on the screen. It's a free will offering in proportion to the blessing that he has given to you. Now guys, this is not talking about tithing. This is talking about a free will offering above the tithe. A free will offering in proportion to how God has blessed you. And there is a biblical principle here. 398 years ago, the pilgrims set aside a day in the fall to give thanks. But 3,000 years before that, God established a Thanksgiving festival that he called the Feast of Weeks, where his people were to bring him an offering. And I challenge you to do the same thing. You bring to God a free will offering in proportion to how God has blessed you. The Bible says this about giving. Test God in this matter. You put God to the test and see if he doesn't come back and give you a blessing that blows away the gift you just gave to him. That's what Don and Alice were talking about. And that's what I challenge you with today. Don't just give the tithe. Give an offering. Give of yourself. Adoptive families here. What a great way to give an extra offering. To be used by God to bless other people. So how do I give my thanks to God? I sing. I serve. I give. But then number four, I tell. I tell. I tell others about Jesus. Every time you tell somebody about the good news, you're thanking God. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 4 says, Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the world of his wondrous love and how mighty he is. We have the greatest news in the world. 
I think I lost you. Anytime I start talking about giving, I lose you. So come back with me. Come back. We've got the greatest gift in the world. Right here. We have the greatest news in the world. Right here. And let me tell you, this news gets better and better because the news of the world gets worse and worse. And our world needs to hear the good news. This is the best news out there. This is better than the cure for cancer. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs to know what we know. And if you don't tell them, they're not going to be told. If you don't tell your story, if you don't share your faith, it's not going to get shared. And our world is going to be at a loss because of that. So this Thanksgiving... You need to find somebody you can share your faith with. Now, here's what happens most Thanksgivings. We get together with family members, right? How many of y'all are going to get together with family? And inevitably, there is going to be somebody in your family who needs the Lord. They're that black sheep, that no good for nothing, cousin, or nephew, or sister-in-law, mother-in-law. No, no. I... There's somebody, right? You thinking of the person in your family that, hey, instead of talking about them and instead of talking behind their back, why don't you talk to them, to their face, out of love and share the good news of Jesus with them? They need to know the Lord. You know what? That's how I give gratitude, by singing, by serving, by giving, by telling. And church, listen to me. There is miracle-working power in the power of praise and thanksgiving. There is miracle-working power in the power of giving praise and thanks to God. There's a great story about this in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were in the city of Philippi, and they were sharing the good news of the gospel, preaching and because of that, they were thrown in prison. They were put in jail at nighttime. And so at night in the darkness, they found themselves in the interior of this dark, dank dungeon of, the, of a jail. The doors had been locked. They were shackled with chains. So you know what they did? You know what Paul and Silas did at midnight? Come on, tell me what they do at midnight. They started singing. Remember that? The first way we can give thanks to God is by singing. What did they have to sing about? What did they have to praise God about? What did they have to be thankful for? They're in prison. Didn't matter. God's a good God. God's a gracious God. God had been good to them, and they started singing their praise to God. And all of a sudden, when God heard their singing of thanksgiving, he sent an earthquake that literally shook the foundations of that jail. All the doors swung open. All of their chains were released. Let me tell you, this was the original jailhouse rock. Come on, that was better than that. Isn't that good? And the jailer goes something like this. Well, I'm going to kill myself because all the prisoners have escaped. And Paul, down in that dungeon cell, said, no, we haven't. We're still here. And the jailer goes, well, what kind of people are you? Paul said, we're Christians. And so that jailer took Paul and Silas into his own home. 
He cleansed their wounds. He gave them something to eat. And while they were eating a meal, Paul shared with him the good news of the gospel. And the Bible says that night, that jailer and his entire family were saved and they were baptized. The prison doors were unlocked when they gave praise and thanks to God. Now follow me here. I'm about to land this big plane. So listen to me. What prison are you in today? What prison are you locked up in today? Maybe it's an emotional prison, a financial prison. Maybe it's a relational prison. Maybe you are locked up with guilt. You're locked up with worry. You're locked up with discouragement and disappointment. Maybe you're locked up in a habit that you can't break free from. Maybe you're locked up in a conflict with a family member. Whatever it is, what you need to do today is start thanking God. And when you start singing thanks to God, you can watch those prison doors open and you can watch your shackles fall off. That is the power of thanksgiving. So dude, do dance. Why in the world would we wait until Thursday to have our prison doors open and our shackles fall off when it can happen right now?